Freak Beats EDM Podcast お聞きの皆さん、こんにちは。私、キャム・ラスキーが京都のスタジオからお送りしています。どうぞ最後までお付き合いください。最後までお付き合いください。Welcome to the House of the Freaks. This is Johnny Walker, and this is the Freak PTDM podcast. And we are entering the seventh year on our podcast with a special interview of the artist I listened most in 2020 and 2021, and most possibly this year as well, Cam Lasky. Cam Lasky, a mysterious man from Kyoto, Japan. Maybe a byproduct of his surrounding environment. Living deep in Kyoto's ancient and mystical forests, among bears, deer, boars, monkeys, spirits, and ghosts, one could not help but produce deep, raw, hard hitting, reverberating, mysterious, and awe inspiring electronic music. This is how he describes himself in only three words. Kamlaski, real name Cameron Laskowski, is a dark dance music producer with a studio deep in the mountains of Kyoto, being inspired from novels, manga, and paintings that depict the darkness of human and subhumans. I became aware of his music in the summer of 2020 when everything was falling apart. Due to the insane government measures that were imposed around the world. It wasn't the happiest of times, and I personally felt that we needed a reset in dance music. So I started looking towards the East for inspiration, as I thought we needed new sounds, new heroes, and the absence of Western politics to help us navigate the novel unknowns we were faced with. Japan. Japanese artists and Japanese music was the natural destination for me since I wanted to venture east. I was always fascinated with the musical geniuses that come out of this country. In dance music, we had and have techno idols like Susumu Yokota, rest in peace, and Ken Ishii that offered and keep offering a refreshing take on stale ambient and techno paradigms. 
I cannot remember how it came about Kamlaski's profile, but I remember falling in love with his music at first hearing. Perhaps it resonated with my dark and depressed mood at the time. Perhaps it was the quality of his fresh sounds I was seeking. Perhaps it was that I got disgusted with the glamour of overproduced and self-centered Instagram junk ADM that did not seem to resonate with the angst and trauma that 2020 brought to the world. Or perhaps it is because his music was simply awesome. Week after week I noticed a new release appearing from him on Spotify. I couldn't help but notice that the quality of each release remained unquivering despite a manic release schedule. I was immediately drawn to his unique artwork and the concepts that the releases were connected to. Titles like Occulted Kyoto and Tokyo Hyaku meant that there was a deeper thread connecting his music rather than him dropping random meaningless releases. Extended play after extended play, week after week, release after release, Kamlaski kept on releasing gem after gem, drawing me more and more inside his dark twisted world. him whether the pandemic affected his creative process at all. I'm sorry for those who were unfortunate, but the pandemic has greatly reduced my interaction with people, which has greatly increased my production time. It has been very fulfilling. This pandemic has also given me a good opportunity to reevaluate how I interacted with people and the distance between us. His music did not fall in line with any of the known labels of contemporary electronic dance music. And that kind of bothered me because of my journalistic approach to labels needing these in order to communicate what we listen with fellow Sony seekers and listeners of this podcast. I just couldn't label him and this frustrated me. Sure, you could call his music Deep Dubstep, these days it is sometimes called Deep 140, Halftime, which is like a subgenre of drum and bass, but was this adequate to describe the complexities of the sounds intermingling in his surgically crafted soundscapes? If I were to define my music strictly in terms of current genres, 
epic music with dance music, bass music, skeleton might be close. However, some people call it constructed noise music or Asian Gothic music, so I don't really define it. Expect to facilitate stores to label it under one genre. We would be more than happy if people who listen to our music can call it whatever they want to call it. That felt more appropriate. His music, which is eerie and otherworldly, could be labelled as epic, gothic, ambient bass. You just have to listen to the drums in most of his tracks that sound like they have taken a new life being guided by the wings of a Shinigami. His music is inspired by artists that you would not traditionally associate with electronic dance music. We used to hear artists being inspired by the likes of Jean-Michel Zah or Kraftwerk. Pretty standard stuff. Instead, Kamlaski is inspired by artists as diverse or offbeat as Peter Gabriel, Steve Reich, Harold Budd, Michael Nyman and Trevor Horn. These are some acclaimed names that have inspired mostly off-the-beaten-path electronica artists. As he explains, different artists showed him different aspects of music production, music technology and philosophy in sound crafting. For example, in the case of Peter Gabriel, he learned how to combine folklore and technology to make commercial music, rock or pop. In the case of Michael Nyman, how to make commercial music with a contemporary approach. He's inspired of how Harold Bad is able to build a worldview with just one piano, as in one instrument. Steve Reich is one of his influences because of his minimalism approach. Finally, the almighty Trevor Horn showed him the relationship between commercial music and technology in musical marketing techniques. Masking. You occasionally incorporate faster breaks in very few of your tracks, but this has never been your main focus. Your focus is on slower rhythms. Why? I simply like slow beats. Most of his work is hypnotic. The slow shuffling beats put you in a trance and his tracks merge one after another into a mesmerizing amalgamation of drones, ambience, eerie soundscapes and tantalizing walls of sound. I can only hope for a 10 hours mixtape. The perfect lo-fi soundtrack. Your signature sound is moody and dark. Would you agree with that and why? Do you plan to record a lighter sound? He responds, I've been making bright music since I was young, under various aliases, but I actually never liked bright music. I have always wanted to make dark music. Kuaioto Records, his own record label, is the place where I can make all the dark music I want. I'm not going to move from there. The origins of my desire to make dark music goes back to my childhood. I was the kind of kid who started playing the piano while learning the basics with a teacher from before I can remember and became obsessed with expressing what I thought. I was the kind of kid who would get so carried away that I would shit my pants. One night, I was struck by the score of a classical Hollywood horror movie, Werewolf on Frankenstein on TV. I was probably six years old. I started playing old horror movie style songs on the piano as I wanted. But the adults around him 
did not approve of a child making up a series of gloomy tunes, but said, let's make more cheerful songs, let's play some more childlike and energetic songs. years old the switch to jazz piano was corrected while being tapped into the joy of session playing. The next time my desire for dark music was revived was when I graduated from music college, but more on that later, it is closely related to Kyoko Hyaku. My current obsession with dark music may also be my revenge against the adults who denied me the pleasure of my childhood. His sounds are haunting, with breathing rhythms and metallic timbres shifting sounds occasionally using traditional Japanese organs. However, there are hardly any vocals that I noticed, and there is a good reason for this, as he does not want to add his words to the words of other artists. My music serves as a soundtrack to a novel, so I don't dare to put words to music. Instead, my vocal partner, Korean singer and songwriter Samantha Gang, takes care of that. Perhaps in our new project, Whale, she will add lyrics and melody to my songs. Does he ever sleep? I already alluded to how prolific Kam Lasky is with his releases. Prolific may not be the right word. For once, I thought he was a machine. I did all his releases from 2020 and 2021 in a couple of Spotify playlists for my listening convenience. Please go to my profile on Spotify and find those lists. And then realize he released 178 tracks and 220 tracks in 2020 and 2021 respectively. 220 tracks in a year! He's not doing bad in 2022 either. 
But how is he able to record so much music? Perhaps he's insomniac like many other artists. I just had to ask him. Do you sleep at all? I sleep seven to eight hours. If not enough, I take a nap in my studio. You're very prolific in producing music. How do you do it? Please describe your creative process. I have a lot of music I want to make, but there are so few hours in a day. So I developed a way to make music quickly. It is all about dividing labor. If I was in charge of the entire music production process all by myself, there would not be enough time to do it all. The first step is having a meeting with my collaborators. By having a fun and quick discussion, 90% of the music is completed. This is also possible because of having the original novel as the inspiration source. We first structure the entire song from intro to outro, me and a few others. Next, we determine the key, scale and sketch the score. Then, I am humming its part and this is recorded and converted to MIDI data. The beats are played on drums, the percussion sometimes on taiko drums, this is a Japanese traditional instrument, and recorded by myself. The synths, drums and percussion, myself and the sounds craftsman are then selected and replaced. After that the engineer masters it and everyone involved in the work gives it a final review and if it is okay it is ready for release. This division of labor allows us to share the joy and profit of creation with many people rather than keeping it to ourselves. I have not been able to share enough yet but we continue to create with the belief that one day we will all be enriched. Finally, the real reason why I want to make a lot of music is because I believe that quantity is quality. I believe that if I make a lot of music, I will one day arrive at the best music. With so much music, one could think that his music all sounds the same. Throw some pre-made chord progressions from MIDI packs in FL Studio, pick some ready-made samples from the same sound libraries everyone uses, and hey presto, new tune out every week. But his case is rather different. Every track is a distinct, breathable creation. Like a magician who creates distinct entities out of his imagination. Kamlaski creates musical pieces that sound like no other. How do you ensure that your music does not sound the same? That is a very difficult and important question. I always ask myself, does this look like something I made before? If I think so, I immediately discard all data, even if it is a finished work. Even after that, I still wonder, is this really similar? No clear solution has been found yet, it may not be found until I die. Which are your favorite pieces of plug-in software and hardware kits that you use for music production? I am sorry, but I can't clarify about the VST and DTM software due to my sponsor. My hardware synthesizers are the MU Emulator 2, the Akai S3000XL, a Native Instruments S61 MK2 as a MIDI controller. For electric pianos, I use a Yamaha CP5 and a Roland MK80. For constructing the beats, I use the machine Native Instruments MK3. Is it true? 
that you play the drums for all your tracks live. Yes, to be precise, the first thing to do is to beat electronic drums or NA machine and convert it into MIDI data. The purpose of this is to record ideas that have a live feel by playing everything from the intro to the outro as you think of it. Then based on the data I change the beat pattern, alter the timbre and replace it with real drums and percussion to finish it. This is the fastest and most satisfying way for me to finish a beat. My music is for the heart and not for the mind. His music is truly unexpected. Almost improvised like jazz, the bassline is screeching in agony. The percussions echo in the frosty Kyoto night. The strings and piano jam with each other, twirl and collide in an everlasting dance. My music is for the heart and not for the mind. Because I make music from sensations that cannot be verbalized or scored. Making music from a musical score and for the mind is very boring work for me because I have understood the method of creating music. You're producing your music with several themes or concepts being inspired from books, if I understand correctly. Is there a connecting thread that links all these themes together? It is anger at the various forms of violence by those who have some kind of power, authority or monstrosity. I would say that it is sometimes hard to follow the bleeds of his release schedule because his releases are tied to different concepts and themes running in parallel. So I'm asking, could you give for our listeners the main inspiration themes behind your different series? And he responds, Occulted City is a series of music about ghosts, goblins and monsters passed down from generation to generation in Miyako which is Kyoto, and Edo, which is Tokyo. The series is one of my longest-running life's works in my projects. As of 2022, a new release is still planned. Among them, the following two series were turning works for me. The 2019 Occulted City Kyoto Z, and we have a link to the Spotify playlist. City Elysian and again we have a link to a Spotify playlist.
Tango Salvo. The album and series are inspired by Tamaki Sino's violent gothic novels Cannibal Cannon, which depict three generations of a family that are being played by something in the form of a beautiful woman who eats baby flesh and continues to live on leading to their self-destruction. This series was a turning point for me in determining the direction of how to musicalize the 19th and early 20th century period in Japan with modern technology. The Tokyo Year Zero album. The album is based on David Pierce's noir novel Tokyo Trilogy Tokyo Fear Zero about detectives investigating a real-life serial assault on women in Tokyo between 1945 and 1946. Quieto Records was established to create music from this work. Burned ruins of air raids, the smell of decay, dust, blood and death. The album is not available for download service provider because some digital stores do not like it due to its 32 songs it contains. The Occupied City album. Based on the novel by David Peace, Tokyo Trilogy No. 2. This is the story of the banker poisoning in Tokyo in 1948, the former Japanese Army Germ Squad and GHQ behind it. This work has been made into a series twice before, but this time, three times more, it was completed by banging sticks and hammers on everything from small metal to steel frames. Tokyo Redux album. This is another noir novel by David Peace. The final chapter of the Tokyo trilogy depicting three generations in 1964 and 1984, criminal detective journalists 
and the darkness of GHQ surrounding the murder of the President of Japan National Railways in 1949. I produced 50 tracks for this album, reaching a total of 100 tracks for the Tokyo Trilogy. But the physical release, which is on an SD card, is all on one disc, although this album is divided into three pieces because the store hates it when there are too many songs. And again, I have a link to the Spotify playlist so you can listen to them. Kyoka Hyaku The project is a musical adaptation of a hundred novels by Kyoka Izumi, a horror and dark fantasy novelist active in the 19th century Japan. In Japan it is said that if you tell a hundred ghost stories, and here are some Japanese, Hyaku is a hundred, strange things will happen. If I make a hundred pieces of music, will something strange happen to me? Forbidden. This project is based on the biographical manga Kijima Niki by Eiji Otsuka and Yoshinatsu Mori. Kijima Niki is set in Japan in 1936, just before the war, and tells the story of a top-secret organization to take care of things that should not exist in this world and the dark activities of the Nazis. This is my favorite work to date. Wow, that is so many. With so many themes, albums and releases, I had to ask Kamlaski to recommend some of his work as an introduction to new listeners because that task may be daunting otherwise to the uninitiated. He recommends his most recent work, the Forbidden series, and the Tokyo Year Zero album, a monumental piece of work from 2020. So I'm asking, what is your favorite work and why? He responds, the Forbidden series, because it is the culmination of my five-year career at Kwayoto Records. It means that I was able to do everything I wanted to do in the first half of 2022. Recording and releasing music since 2016 does not sound like a very long time. However, most music artists pick by the second difficult or even third album. With 12 albums released to date, Kamlaski sounds unstoppable. So I'm asking, do you think you have reached your peak as a recording artist and musician? And he responds, I may suddenly lose motivation tomorrow or I may lose my hearing three years from now. At least I don't know at this moment when I will pick as a musician. However, the worldview I want to develop as Cam Lasky is still going to take time and I would like to do it even if it takes 10 or 20 years. As I previously mentioned, in addition to his music, what caught my eye is the carefully curated artwork for his different series and how these all tie together, the different concepts and more importantly his music. In contrast to other dance music artists who release albums for the sake of marketing and branding, in Cam Lasky's hands an album is a discreet and meaningful concept with an impact imparted by the backstory that inspired the artist. It is not a mere collection of disjointed tracks that have to be released for the sake of staying current. At this point, I should direct you to my substack so you can see and be amazed by some of this so beautiful artwork that he has as covers for his releases. So I'm asking him, 
What is the inspiration for your awesome album artwork? The label's two art directors read the original book and participated in meetings to complete the visuals before the start of music production. The inspiration for the visuals came from the original book and the visuals are also an inspiration for my music. Amazing, isn't it? The, the music inspires the artwork and the artwork inspires the music and they're all kind of connected in a circle. With plenty of music at the ready, and his awesome artwork to almost do the marketing effortlessly for him, will Kamlaski be jumping at the latest Gen Z trend and start releasing his music on vinyl? It is only lately that artists realize that streaming will never produce a self-sustaining income, and selling music the traditional way is the way forward. So he responds, The Japanese vinyl market is for rich audiophiles. The market for DJs who use vinyl in clubs is surprisingly small. I'm interested in 24-bit 90-60Hz and above and Dolby Atmos, but unfortunately, I'm not really interested in CDs. I am not a big fan of CDs because they fall apart after 50 years. There goes my CD collection. Vinyl, on the other hand, will last 100 years or more, so if I see the possibility of vinyl remastering, I may release it. Hey, so he does not say no to vinyl releases, well take my money meme goes here, and he does release cassettes, so wholesome. He is categorical and emphatic about his selection of working with other artists though, so I'm asking him a bit controversial, would you ever do a remix for money for an artist or song you do not like, and he responds, very straight, a job I would never like to do. Which are your favorite artists right now, from any genre? He gives me some names. Jeff Barrow, Ivy Lab, Gazelle Twin, Trent Reznor, Cliff Martinez. Ivy Lab is one of the most respected bass artists on the West Coast. They move freely between hip-hop and bubblegum, but their roots are in bass music. And their constant creative evolution is a constant source of inspiration and learning for me. The other four are artists who are part of what we might call soundtrack culture. Autorism that moves freely between commercial music, dance music, ambient, noise and contemporary music, whilst them being soundtracks for movies and dramas. And how about his future plans? Releasing all this music surely needs a live connection with his fans and audience both in Japan and worldwide. Usually bass artists DJ more than actually producing music. In the case of Kam Lasky, he does the exact opposite. Why? I believe that in order to DJ, you have to listen to a lot of songs and understand the appeal of each one. I cannot do that, because I want to spend that time on production. Unfortunately, some health issues restricted his ability to traveling. Because of his gigs were held only in Kyoto and around Western Japan, Osaka and the neighborhood prefecture of Kyoto in 2019 was his last live concert before the pandemic struck. You could get a taste of how he would sound live though. In 2020 he did a live music production mix with DJing on Mixcloud that you can listen to and again I'm having all these links on the Substack blog so please go there. So he responds, We have no plans for live shows at this time but 
We're considering Spotify Live and Metaverse. We're testing various platforms. Maybe I will do this style of delivery, video, radio or Metaverse or something, but there are no plans right now. Which is a shame because bass may be quite popular in the US and States, like Washington, but in Kyoto, Japan, he may be on his own. He says, there is no local bass music scene in Kyoto. There's lots of great Japanese electro artists, but very few of them produce bass music. So being isolated in his region probably forced him to make his own label as an outlet to his music and build up from the grounds. Kyoto Records is his own label, but he's not the only artist recording there. Baby Gyon from Kyoto and Samantha Gang from South Korea also record there. He says, Samantha Gang has been a regular contributor to Kyoto Records since the label's inception, writing music, lyrics and vocals for most of the early extended plays in the Occulted City series. This December she and I will begin a long-term project based on the novel Whale by Korean novelist Cheon Myeong Kwan. I'm sorry if I killed the names. I wrote earlier that his music may be a byproduct of his environment. However, Japan is also a country of deep-rooted tradition and spiritualism. Concepts that are hard to swallow in Western logic-focused society are more accepted even in modern Japanese society. Did anyone mention Kamlaski believing in ghosts? So he says, rather than believing in them, they appear before me from beginning to end. Sometimes it just sounds. Sometimes they move things. Sometimes they reach out to me. Sometimes they're indistinguishable from real people except from a slight discomfort. I'm not psychic or a medium, but I have been one since I was a child. I think it must be due to my birth. My maternal grandmother was an Okinawan shaman. Because of this, ghosts have always been around me since I can remember. Some of the songs on Kwayoto records have ghost voices in them, and I had many frightening encounters with ghosts during the production of the Occulted City series. My ghost stories are included in two Japanese books. Wait, what? Like which tracks? So he says, for example, in Tokyo Year Zero and Asylum, if you go between 4.15 to 4.18, as soon as the saxophone phrase ends at the above time, a woman's singing voice can be heard saying, Woo! I'm happy to hear that the real rape victim girl in this story is pleased with the jazz music, which was actually dance music of 1946. I was also a requiem that I wrote for her to listen. Please look out for many other songs with many clear voices of ghosts mixed in. Kamlaski is certainly putting the ghost back in the machines. And my final questions. It may be a cliche, not every Japanese reads or likes reading manga, but in the case of Kamlaski, I know that this is the case, so I just had to ask. What is your favorite manga or mangaka? So he responds, Osamu Tezuka, Urasawa Noki, Ikarashi Daisuke, and Mori Yoshinatsu. I'm including all Kamlaski social links in the Substack blog. You can find him on Instagram, Facebook, 
on Spotify where he has all those playlists where you can grasp and understand the concepts on Apple Music, SoundCloud and YouTube and you can buy his record digitally from his record shop directly if you're an audiophile at the highest possible quality and of course from Beatport. Thank you very much for listening. That was Johnny Walker for the Freak Beats EDM podcast. <laughs>